0: It's Monday, November 27th, and we're talking Cardinals baseball. We bring in Cards reporter for MLB.com, Jennifer Langosh. Jennifer, thanks as always for taking the time. And, of course, everyone wants to know about John Carlos Stanton, so we'll begin there, a formal trade offer from the Cardinals on the table to the Marlins. What's the latest? Are the Cards the frontrunners at this point? What can you tell us?
1: You know, they're among the most interested, I think I'll put it there. And one of these weeks when I do this podcast, I'll actually have some new tangible information. But right now, the Cardinals, like many teams out there, kind of just playing the waiting game. They have already made their formal offer to the Miami Marlins. We know from reports that the Giants have as well. Right now, it looks like Miami is trying to wait out to see what other teams are interested and in, what other packages might be offered. Of course, the caveat in all this, too, is that Stanton has to approve any um, trade because of that no trade clause that he has in his contract. So uh, for the Cardinals, I don't see this coming to a conclusion in the, in the coming days. This might be something that lingers here the next couple of weeks up until the winter meetings, but um, no secret that the Cardinals remain very interested in the Miami slugger. This is a team that really needs and has prioritized the need to, to add an impact that to its lineup for 2018 and beyond. And when you talk about impact hitters, I think at the top of that list is Stanton. And then of course, uh, while the Cardinals are waiting for Miami, they continue to kind of look at plans B, C, and D, uh, what other hitters are out there and where they might have to pivot if it doesn't work out with Miami.
0: I thought you were going to come right on, Jennifer, and say that's it. They've traded for Stanton. We break it right here. But all right. That, that might happen soon enough, though. We'll see. Uh, just continuing with Stanton before we switch gears a little bit more. How does the... Obviously the fans, everyone wants John Carlos stand on their team. It would be amazing, but how do the front office manage expectations of the fans with of course players that would have to be dealt and the money and the long-term commitment to one individual player like that? Is that a bit of a balancing act right there uh, in terms of managing those expectations?
1: Yeah, this is a very complex situation because you have so many different factors in play here. I mean, as you mentioned, you have the contract, which um, would, be, it would blow away any contract the Cardinals have ever taken on for a player. I mean, you're talking almost $300 million guaranteed to stand over the next 10 years. So that's one element of it. And, you know, what we don't have clarity on is how much salary relief the Cardinals would be asking for from the Marlins in any type of deal. The second part of the deal, of course, would be the prospects involved. Now, the Cardinals are in good negotiating position because they have so much young talent, in particular young pitching talent and outfield talent. And so you would expect the Cardinals, you know, to try to deal away with those surpluses. But, again, how much um, are they willing to deal away? This is an organization that has long built – success based on its farm system by drafting and developing players and you know how willing are they to to kind of give up on some of those players for a big bat like Stanton so you have those two elements you have the no trade clause in there and as you mentioned you have the fan expectations and I can tell you um, just over the last few weeks since the World Series ended and free agency opened Stanton is the talk of the town Uh, I mean baseball may not be being played here in St. Louis but if you turn on Sports Talk Radio, if you read anything in town these days, it's all about this idea, of will Giancarlo Stan come to St. Louis? So um, I think fans would be disappointed, of course, if it doesn't work out. That being said, I think for the Cardinals, you know, the, the priority has to be to add someone. So if it's not Stan, again, perhaps they pivot elsewhere and address their needs in a different way. But this is definitely a fan base looking for a big, bold move from a team that, quite frankly, in recent years, hasn't made
0: a lot of those in the hot stove season. Absolutely, and as you detailed there very well, I mean, it's a complex situation. I promise this is the last stand question here, but I just want to get your take. This kind of just came into my head when I was thinking about it in terms of looking at the Cardinals in the past. Albert Pujols was 31. Of course, different situation. He was on the team and then a free agent back in 2011 and was commanding a lot of money on the open market. The Cardinals elected not to pay that. Pujols goes to the Angels. Different scenario, but... With a guy like Stan, he's 28. You'd have to commit a lot of money, even if there was some salary, salary relief, as you said. Is that part of the issue for the Cardinals, really, in just that huge amount of money and time and years when a player could break down in, in their mid-30s?
1: Yes, and I think there's a lot that we can learn from what the Cardinals did and didn't do with the Albert Pujols negotiations that still hold true today. I mean, one of those is this is a very uh, prudent organization. They don't just throw money around there. I mean, they're very deliberate about attaching a value to a player and, and wanting to stick with it. We saw that with Albert. He didn't react emotionally. If they wanted to offer him more money, they have the financial flexibility to do so, but they also realized that it didn't make sense – the long-term viability of this organization. And I think the same holds true with Stanton. I mean, they're not going to go out and get him at any cost, and that cost being both financial and in terms of prospects. You know, I think, too, for fans, you know, there's always a lot of talk about payroll, payroll, payroll. Are the Cardinals going to spend more money? Spending more money alone doesn't always just make you better. I mean, some of the contracts that we've seen in recent years, some of the biggest contracts, They eventually become albatrosses for those organizations. And again, St. Louis isn't in position to be able to take on bad contracts and kind of overcome that. So um, they have to be very deliberate with their moves. They're not afraid to make big moves, but they have to be the right ones. And so, um, again, that's going to come down to what they feel is the right package in terms of prospects and money that they're willing to take on as well as comparing Stan to the other available options out there.
0: Yeah. And of course the goal, the goal is to win a world series, not necessarily to make the biggest offseason splash too. So they have to weigh that. And, uh, we can segue with that into, uh, some hall of fame talk. Three members of the Cardinals world series championship team back in 2006 are on this year's hall of fame ballot. Third baseman, Scott Rowland, closer, Jason Isringhausen, starting pitcher, Chris Carpenter, uh, the likeliest of those three in your mind to be able to get in uh, into the Hall of Fame?
1: The likeliest, I think, would be Scott Rowland. And I think he has a very interesting case. I mean, you look at uh, the career spanning, I believe, from 1996 to 2012, kind of the middle years there is where he spent in St. Louis. But you're talking about someone who began his career as a Rookie of the Year, won eight Gold Glove Awards seven-time All-Star. Uh, you know, you look at where he ranks among major league base, uh, third basemen, you know, 15th all-time in home runs, 12th all-time in RBIs. He had a long, successful career both on the offensive and defensive ends. You know, my question is going to be how much consideration does he get with a crowded Hall of Fame ballot? We saw this a couple years ago, you know, particularly as it pertains to St. Louis with Jim Edmonds. Here was a guy who um, a lot of people thought had maybe borderline Hall of Fame credentials But because there were so many other worthy candidates on the ballot, such a crowded ballot and the ability to only vote for up to 10 players, um, Edmonds didn't get enough support to even make it back onto the ballot for year number two. So, you know, my hope for Scott, of course, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but that he at least gets enough consideration and enough votes to come back on this ballot year after year and maybe warrant a little bit more discussion as for, you know, Chris Carpenter. Um, Isringhausen, well, Carpenter has already been inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I would expect Izzy to be as well. Roland probably follows him um, in addition to that. But as far as the National Baseball Hall of Fame, I think it's Scott Roland who probably has the best chance.
0: Yeah, and I think, as you said, sometimes it's just, being able to get on the next ballot for the next time around as well. That's important to be able to eventually obviously get in. Uh, going back to the the current team right now, uh, a guy that the Cardinals have expectations for going into next season, Jose Martinez. You wrote about him recently. He's honing his first base skills a bit more in uh, the Venezuelan league right now, and the Cardinals potentially using him more at first base next season. Uh, do you expect to see that?
1: Yeah, it makes really it makes a lot of sense for Jose to use his time down in venezuela to work at the position we saw him play a good amount of first base this year but it was really his first kind of extended exposure at the position so you know he went back home he always plays um in venezuela back home but he's never played this much first base but really wants to be able to come into spring training feeling even better defensively at that spot you look at jose martinez uh, I still don't believe that he probably projects to open the season as a starter in any position for the Cardinals, but adding to that versatility and, of course, what he's been able to offer you know, in a short period off the bench um, makes him a very, very valuable reserve player. So no surprise to me either that you look down at what he's doing offensively in Venezuela and he's lighting it up at the plate, kind of a carryover from the season he had here in St. Louis. And uh, you know, if he's able to play a very capable first base along with being able to spell the outfielders, in either corner spot, it's only gonna make him more valuable and it's only gonna kind of create more playing time for him, I think, next year.
0: Absolutely. We're talking with Jennifer Langosh of MLB.com dot com. And Jennifer, before we wrap things up, obviously the off season, everyone's talking about trades, free agency, money, but there's a lot of work being done in the community by teams and individual players, really trying to help their communities in a lot of different ways and giving their time. You wrote a great piece um, a couple of weeks ago about what some Cardinals players are doing. Uh, I was wondering if you could just detail that a bit more.
1: Yeah, I was like doing it at this time of year. I mean, right, we all talk about this being the season of giving, and I don't think oftentimes um, a lot of the players and even the organization are recognized for all they do to give back to this community. I mean, you think back to this season alone, Dexter Fowler donating $100,000 of his own money to help dedicate a field in Illinois in a kind of a low-income area. You look at the work that Yadier Molina and Matt Carpenter did to help raise funds for hurricane relief. I mean, Yadier raising money— and then spending two weeks back in his home in Puerto Rico, literally going door to door delivering water and food and supplies to people in his hometown. Matt Carpenter, of course, pledging money per home run, which followed, you know, which which then created other pledges for home run, raised almost two hundred thousand dollars for his hometown of Houston as it still recovers from Hurricane Harvey. I mean, you have guys like Adam Wainwright, whose fantasy football fundraiser has of grown out of st louis and across the country to different cities having raised multiple millions of dollars um, largely for food and water needs around the world carlos martinez and his foundation there's so much going on again with a lot of these players that i don't think is often um, brought to the forefront so uh, the piece on cardinals.com kind of highlights some of those efforts as well as some of the work that the cardinals and the cardinals care organization has done here in st louis particularly to help children and underserved areas in the St. Louis region.
0: Yeah, it's great, Jennifer, just to be able to read about that and hear about those stories, because like you said, sometimes they're not on the the forefront of everyone's minds, but delving into it is a pretty cool thing to do um as always jennifer thanks so much for the time and maybe next week you'll have some some breaking news on stanton right
1: <laughs> one of these days i hope to deliver some breaking news on this podcast so stay tuned
0: i love it all right thanks so much jennifer we appreciate the time as always i'm darwin zook thanks for tuning in on mlb.com extras